Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Get ready to raise a toast with Seattle's most spirited hour of talk. Happy Hour Radio, sponsored by Mary Hill Winery. Explore the best in Washington wines, beer, spirits, food, and more with your guide, Seattle sommelier, Christopher Chan. It's Happy Hour Radio, right now on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Well, 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 welcome to Happy Hour Radio. It's 6 o'clock in the Puget Sound region, and I'm your host, Christopher Chan. Hey, thanks for joining me right here on 570 KVI, Saturdays at 6 o'clock. I hope you've got something in your glass uh, a little single malt, a little vino, perhaps some suds, uh, something tasty. Sit back and relax for another great show here on Happy Hour Radio. It is April, and uh, so excited to celebrate, uh, well, my birthday month. And uh, there's some great events out there if you want to celebrate with me. Uh, come meet me out at Woodenville Reserve Night. And uh, WoodenvilleWineCountry.com's got all the details for the April 19th event featuring great chefs, Red wine, white wine, and one of my favorites, rosé wine. That's Woodenville Reserve Night, April 19th. Tickets available at WoodenvilleWineCountry.com. And if you ever get out to uh, West Seattle, Alki Beach, there's a great restaurant. It's called Salty's. And Salty's is hosting... The Sexy Syrah event, my friend David DeClaire, owner of SeattleUncorked.com, is hosting a great, uh, well, a Syrah showdown, and it's going to be sexy. Uh, great food, great wine, and uh, all for a good cause. April 29th, Sexy Syrah at Salty's. Go to SeattleUncorked.com for tickets. And uh, got a great show. I've got, uh, well, an Aussie friend in town. He's um, he's the winemaker for Trotch Cellars. That's over in Walla Walla. And we have something in common. We we get grapes from one of the same vineyards. So we're going to chat about uh, Trotch Cellars, Black Rock Vineyard, and a little bit of uh, uh, my mate's winemaking skills. And also, it is the 40th anniversary of Red Mountain. And I have the pleasure of having, well, one of the, I can't call you really the forefathers or the godfathers. I can call you the almost the grandson of, of the godfathers. I have Richard Holmes, who is uh, part of the Jim's Home family, um, one of the founders of really Red Mountain, Ciel de Cheval in Kiona Vineyard with the Williams family. Uh, we're going to talk about 40 great years on Red Mountain. And Richard Holmes, welcome to Happy Hour. Thank you for having me. Well, uh, Red Mountain is a uh, an Appalachian, American viticultural area, founded in 2001 officially, but uh, let's talk about 40 years ago. What took place? It, it was an amazing place at the time. If you went out there and you looked at it, you would think, this is the last place I want to farm. And most people that had gone out there looked at it, saw it was desert, that didn't get much water, it wasn't great soil, no one that was growing wheat or normal crops like that would want to be there. Some people had tried grazing there, they actually abandoned the land and let it be foreclosed for tax reasons rather than keep grazing there because it didn't support good fodder for them. But in 1975, after a couple of years of preparation, two different vineyards decided to plant there. And the vineyards were planted by five separate families. The Kyle Partnership, which was the Holmes and Williams family, and the C.L. Duchauvel Partnership, which were three other close related friends of ours. And we literally had to drive out on these primitive roads. And when I say primitive, these were like wagon wheel tracks that went from the nearest highway out to where the vineyards were going to be planted. There was no labor. There was the parents, 
and the kits, a whole bunch of kits from each of the families. And we drove out there and we spent our spring break about the middle of April, just approaching just about now, and planted the first vineyards. First we planted Chiron the vineyards for about five days, and then we went and planted the first vineyards at CL for a few more days after that. And it was a miserable experience, to be <laughs> honest. You know, I was a kid, I'd rather be skiing on spring break or doing something fun. One day uh, there was a great dust storm, and then it started raining, so it became a mud storm. And we worked right through it. And uh, it was a really, really different place today. Did you have to camp out there because you took these wagon wheel roads? And No, it, it was close enough to the highway and close enough to town that it was only about a 20-minute trip from town. So we went back and forth. And uh, it, it was pretty... It was miserable conditions getting out there once we got off the highway. You know the old joke, you might be a redneck if you have to... Your directions to home say... Uh, turn off the paved road? Well, that was the situation. We turned off the paved road to get out there. <laughs> well, the first two vineyards ever planted on Red Mountain are Ciel de Cheval, which is French for? It's supposed to be French for Horse Heaven Hills. Uh -huh. It's a horribly bad translation by some people who had high school French and the French-English dictionary around the dinner table one night, probably drinking wine. Right. So, well, uh, Cheval is horse, and I think Ciel is actually sky. That's right. That's right. We've had many native French speakers tell us how badly that name is uh, as a translation. But the Horse Heaven Hills are about them, three and a half, four miles south of where we are, the edge of it. And so that's kind of, it was an homage to that. Well, it's uh, it's been an iconic vineyard in my uh, history, my brief history of wine. Well, I guess it's uh, coming up on 20 years now. Uh, and the other vineyard 40 was, years. Well, for me, 20. For Red Mountain, 40, which is great, and it kind of makes me feel young. Um, but just to think that Washington's uh, wine industry is really uh, still in its um, infant stage. I mean, we're talking, well, maybe teenage stage now because we're at that 40 and 60 year mark with the winery starting in the 60s and uh, obviously Red Mountain planted in the four, uh, 40 years ago. So the other vineyard was called Kiona. Is it Kiona or Kiona? Kiona. Okay. That's the way we said it growing up. There are different people say it different ways. Tomato, tomato? Tomato, tomato. It's a very common word in many of the local Indian languages. Yeah. And so uh, I imagine there's different ways of saying it depending on what group you're from. Well, um, so somehow the Holmes family uh, inherited this uh, C.L. de Cheval vineyard, or what transpired? Yeah. So over time, the uh, partners in C.L. de Cheval, who were close friends, um, gradually uh, lost interest and wanted to get out. And so Kiona acquired the vineyard from them. And then in 93, when the Kiona Vineyard Partnership broke up, we took over CL separately, and then the Williams family continued on with Kiona. And we're still very close friends with the Williamses. It's uh, oh, yeah. great to work yeah, with. Yeah, JJ's cool cat, and they got a great tasting room out there in Red Mountain. And if you haven't been to Red Mountain, everybody, uh, make the visit. Uh, some great uh, tasting rooms. You've got Fidelitas, of course, the Hedges Estate, uh, uh, Frechette, uh, Cooper, Col Hightower, Col Solari, um, and of course, Kiona, uh, Kiona. See, I said it too, Kiona. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm um, so excited to celebrate 40 years of Red Mountain here with Richard Holmes, who, um, well, tell me about your position in the uh, the fam in the familia. All right. So I'm, I'm Jim Holmes' middle son, so um, I'm one of the first generations. Um, and uh, I've come and gone from the vineyard over time. I naturally left when I went to college. And uh, in the 90s, I spent a few years as we expanded CL and added the first Syrah, Viognier, 
and Cabernet Franc to the vineyard. And uh, I've come and gone several times. And uh, foolishly, in the 90s, I chose to leave and pursue Internet Gold. And I spent the next few years trying to figure out a way back. And my way back occurred in the middle of the uh, 2000s. Um, my father was beginning to look to retire, and I decided I was going to start a winery. And so it just kind of made a natural uh, combination. And in 2012, I started stepping back in, and we launched our winery. Uh, Coats to Ciel, it's a separate, different name. Um, we use a fraction of the grapes we grow, and the winery is truly about exploring the terroir of the vineyard. Every year we make different wines with a goal of understanding something different about the vineyard to improve the way we manage it. And who's producing the wine? You yourself? So we make it at a place called Wine Boss in Richland. Uh, it's a facility yeah. ran by Charlie Hoppus. Charlie Hoppus. Now, when you ask me who produces it, I like to give credit to everyone all along the way because there's a lot of people that do a lot of work. Hilary Solon does our, uh, is our enologist, and she has her own wine label, and she's an enologist for a whole lot of other wineries, but she does a great job. Someone named Mitch Vayner, who works for Charlie, who is the guy who actually makes things happen. I love to give him credit. <laughs> and then uh, all the managers in the vineyards, I think they deserve credit. And, of course, my father does because every other day I talk to him about some aspect, and he gives me advice that's 40, 50 years old on I love that. how to do it. This is like an Academy Awards speech. You're thanking everybody. Well, I think everyone's part of it. So. I agree. I'm only teasing you. That's that's the way to do it because great uh, great wines are made in the vineyard, and there's a lot of hard work that goes into uh, just us uh, confirming the blend. You know, that's uh, it's so true. As many hands make light work. Uh, well, Costa Ciel is uh, how many wines are you producing under this new label? Uh, for the 2012 vintage, we had a total of uh, nine wines. In our core. Really? And, yeah. and uh, It's quite a big core. It's quite a big core. You know, it was our launch. And as I said, we're trying to explore the terroir of the vineyard. And so we actually took quite a bit of fruit from a lot of different blocks in the vineyard. We, at the vineyard, we grow the, the we're 102 acres, but we grow it in 36 separate blocks. And each block has its own plan and its own approach. And so we wanted to understand what was happening with as many of those blocks as possible. To be honest, we didn't take as many blocks in as we wanted to, to begin to fully understand the vineyard. Well, let's talk about some of those blocks, and um, actually step back and talk about how many great wineries are actually um, selecting fruit or choosing fruit from Seal de Cheval Vineyard. The last count was about 28 for 2014. It uh, has ranged up as high as 33, and uh, it's a wide range of, well, Washington wineries ranging from Betts and DeLille um, to Tamarack. To Andrew Will. Andrew Will is actually my personal favorite. I'm probably going to get in trouble. For Chris Camarda, we've had Chris on the show, and uh... so um, anyway, uh, so quite a few people do, and uh, most of it's very small lots, and uh, they all take a little bit and use a little bit. So, and how many different varieties are growing in the vineyard now? Oh gosh, you asked me that question. Um, Make up a number, heck. <laughs> <laughs> it's close to 12. Well, and you've got some really, obviously we've got Cab, we've got Merlot, we've got Cab Franc, Syrah. Um, then you've got Nebbiolo, right? Isn't there some Nebbiolo grown? Or Sangiovese. We have Sangiovese, Nebbiolo, Petit Verdot, Grenache, Roussan, Viognier, um, and just a little tiny bit, a very small speck of Barbera. Uh-huh. And so the original vineyard, how many acres was that in 1975? So in 1975, about four acres. Four acres? About four acres. It was a very small planting. Um, and it was mostly Riesling. And then in 1975, we planted quite a bit more, or they planted quite a bit more, the partnership did. And they added Gewurztraminer and Chardonnay 
and a little more Merlot. See, they saw the writing on the wall, those high-ticket wines, like a reverse yeah. meter. Yeah, well, in 1975-76, the logic in Washington was that we needed to have northern European grapes. Winter hardy, yeah. Winter hardy. And we might be good at some of the other grapes, but we didn't know for sure. And so most of the plains at CL, even through 1983, were dominated by Riesling, Gewürztraminer, Chardonnay, Chenin Blanc. Um, there were 17, yeah, acre, wines. 17 acres of Chardonnay, and they all made good wine, but nothing great. Yeah. So we removed them, and we put in something that produces something more distinctive and reflective of the place. Well, to have wineries such as Colslari with the great Chateau Saint-Michel and Antonori family coming into Red Mountain means something. And, of course, the big news six months ago was the huge uh, acquisition of property, all the remaining growing land, the vineyard land available uh, for grapes. And uh, another California property came up, right? Duckhorn? Isn't Duckhorn doing something there? And They are. They've got uh, they've got some great wine they're making um, up there. And... Uh, I'm sorry, I forget the label name. Canvas back. Canvas back. Yeah, Thank Aaron you. Morrell. No, Brian Rudine, sorry. Yes. Brian Rudine, good winemaker. He's yeah. excited about that. Yeah, and they've been buying grapes from a whole selection of vineyards on Red Mountain in, additional to, in addition to doing their own planting out yeah, there. Yeah, they so. got big plans. Well, yeah. Costa CL, you've got nine wines out for the 2012 vintage. Where can people find Costa CL if they want to try this uh, experiment in terroir? Well, they're going to look mainly at the fine uh Fine wine shops and restaurants, to be honest. The price point is uh, not make it widely available. The best place to get it within Washington State is online, to be honest. We have a website. Go buy it from us, and we'll get it to you. Well, what's that website? www.coatstecl.com. CoastofCL.com. I'll throw it on the website. And uh, well, happy anniversary, Richard Holmes, and give our best to uh, your father, Jim, who was a pioneer in Washington wine. And congratulations to all the f- the friends and vineyards and people who work Red Mountain. All right, thank you. Uh, that's Richard Holmes with Ciel de Cheval and Coast to Ciel is brand new winery. You can find it online, coastofciel.com. And coming up on the show, I've got, uh, well, a Southern Hemisphere cat. Uh, um, it is Andrew Trio, who is the winemaker for Tranche Cellars. And I had the pleasure of tasting that great wine this past week and so excited to have him here. So stick around, we'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. Lars Larson has the real story. Weekdays, 6 to 9 p.m., only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. Talk Radio 570 KVI Want to Know Weekends continue. Now, back to Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Shout out to all our friends in Red Mountain. Happy anniversary. 40 years ago, those first vineyards were planted. And, uh... Um, some 40 years ago, I'm sure this young man in my studio was, uh, was dreaming about grapes. Um, I'm pleased to welcome Andrew Trio, who is uh, an Aussie, but now he's uh, living in Walla Walla, making wine for Mike Corliss, um, Tranche Cellars. Andrew Trio, welcome to Happy Hour. Thanks, Christopher. Happy to be here. Well, let's go back. Let's uh, head down to the Southern Hemisphere where it's, uh, it is fall now. Um, tell us where you're from and how you got started in the wine industry. Yeah, sure. I'm from Perth in West Australia, which is in the southwest corner of the country. Uh, our little famous wine region down there is Margaret River, which is about three hours south of there. So 
From Perth, not really from a winemaking family, but definitely from a family who loved food and wine. So I kind of got started in the industry just by chance straight after high school and moved over to Adelaide in South Australia, which is really the winemaking hub of the country and underwent an enology degree over there. Uh, And then a lot of travel in between then and now. But um, never looked back. <laughs> well, don't you miss uh, that big island in the Pacific Ocean down there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my wife and I, we make it back there once a year at Christmas time. So that keeps us sane. We're now, it's Christmas it. in, in June down there? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, you'd be surprised how many people actually think that over here. But <laughs> um, no, same Christmas. Well, uh, so exciting. So uh, let's talk about Perth and Margaret River quickly. Uh, Margaret River is really known for world-class wines. And what wines typically come from Margaret River? Uh, Most famous for Cabernet Sauvignon and Chardonnay and probably Semillon Sauvignon Blanc blends. It's kind of the classic summer porch wine. And Adelaide is uh, really the uh, southern center of, right? Southern center of the the country? absolutely. Lots of small AVAs around Adelaide, Barossa, uh, Coonawarra is a little further out, McLaren Vale, Clare Valley, Adelaide Hills, so lots of different wines coming out of them. And Adelaide is a beautiful town on on the ocean down there, and uh, lots of great food. I was down there last year for uh, a savor Australia, the big uh, 2013 Savor Australia wine conference and food event. It was really cool. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah it was fun to be down there. So uh, how does Mike Corliss find you? Well, um, you know, I started at Corliss and Tranche at the beginning of 2010, five years ago now. So um, a position to open up. I'd heard about it through a friend that I had worked with in California in 2007, and um, definitely. Wait, so you worked in California too then? Yeah, I was in California and Sonoma and Napa for two years in 07 and 08. So I got my first little taste of the American winemaking scene and had a great time and looking to get back here. And um, at that stage, the reputation of Walla Walla and Washington was growing and growing, even um, all the way back in Australia. So it was just ideal timing to kind of get my foot in the door and start trying to make something for myself over here. Well, who did you uh, learn winemaking in California in Sonoma and Napa? Did you, can you tell me what wineries you were playing with down there? Sure. I was at Ramey Wine Cellars in Healdsburg, so the famous David Ramey, um, big Chardonnay house, but also dealing with quite big, uh, powerful Napa Cabernets and a little bit of Syrah as well. Yeah, Larkmead Vineyard Cabernet, yep. and uh, he's got Richie Chardonnay and yep. a couple of Hyde Chardonnay, Pedregal. Yeah, yeah. yeah well, that's cool. Stuff. And what about Sonoma? Uh, Chalk Hill Estate. Oh, really? um, Chalk Hill, beautiful property, um, great white wine making as well, I thought, um, big textured wines, and a little bit of that has you know carried on to what we're doing with the tranche white wines right now. So the idea is to pick up a little bit of knowledge and know-how from all the places that you work and kind of start formulating your own style and, you know, taking the things that you like and 
leaving behind the things that didn't work so well and, and try and um, come up with something unique. Well, I love those two wineries, Chalk Hill and Ramey, of course, and I hope you've got a couple selections in your cellar still and something you've been sitting on. Those yeah. are always great wines <laughs> yeah. to pull out and impress the group. But speaking of impressive wines, Trant Shellers, um, what, this is year five now? Or do they they start with you? Are you the first winemaker? No, no. Um, Trant has been around for a little while, since 2004, I think over that time, um, we've kind of established our identity a little bit. It's sister winery to Corliss Estates in Walla Walla. So while Corliss is more classic blends, uh, Tranche is more of a platform for experimentation. So the whole idea behind the Tranche label, dealing with more unusual exotic varieties and seeing how they do in Washington, which is exciting for us. Well, that's great to have, I mean, go figure, two wineries, a sister winery, Corliss, or the, I don't know how you know, the matriarch of the wineries. Corliss is in that beautiful building right off the highway on 2nd Avenue, I think it is. Yep. The old bakery. That's or right. Or mill or something. Old bakery. Yeah. Because um, 1909 it was built, but it's the first building as you drive um, off the highway into town, so it's a nice entrance to little town of Walla Walla. And then Tranche Cellars is kind of nestled in the, uh, is it the Blue Foothills or? Exactly, the foothills of the Blue Mountains. It's actually only about 10 minutes from downtown, but when you're out there, you feel like you're miles away. So across the street from the famous Leonetti, um, spectacular views out there. While Collis is downtown, uh, facility, Tranche is kind of the opposite of that, so it sits on its own vineyard. Um, lots of space. Uh, it's a nice place to be. And you also have some vineyards there too, right? I mean, you, you didn't plant the vineyards or are you planting? What's the what's the story with um, what's being There was grown? an established vineyard there uh, when Mike Collis purchased the property. It's called Blue Mountain Vineyard. So we grow a lot of our own fruit and also sell to other wineries in the valley. Um, and we continue to plant each year. So in 2011, we did a second phase of planting with more unusual white roan varieties and uh, we're getting ready to prep the land um, for planting this spring with Bordeaux and roan red varieties. And how many acres do you think this uh, entire estate will be at some point? Uh, it's about 120. Wow, that's that's great size. So tranche sellers, tranche is the t uh, French term for uh, really offering, right? This is kind of a yeah, Bordeaux word. Yeah, a slice or share or offering. Um, yeah, a, a French word, and, and the winery itself has got a, a slight French theme to it. So when you talk about your winemaking style, what have you learned? If you could sort of help summarize or encapsulate what you want to bring to the table or put in the bottle, per se. Mm. Um, I like powerful wines but also wines with finesse and purity so for our tranche wines because we're dealing with these um, more unusual varieties we want to give a true representation of what they actually taste like in Washington state so a lot of purity and focus and freshness but they undergo extended barrel maturation followed by extended bottle maturation to develop some secondary characters prior to release, which you know adds complexity. And so the first year you arrived was 2010 to Tranche Cellars? Yeah, that's right. And was that uh, during harvest? Was that in the springtime, the winter? Did, w when you got there, were you did you have to start running, or did you have a chance to <laughs> nose around a little bit? Um, no. So, you know, I arrived on a Sunday. My friend um, picked me up from the airport, and we went tasting straight away. But uh, Walla Walla on a Sunday... 
can be a little sleepy. Um, but, <laughs> That's an understatement. <laughs> yeah. But uh, things are changing around What the month town. was that when you arrived? That was, um, I think it was April. 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 Okay. So uh, I, I remember more. being on the flight from Seattle over to Walla Walla. There's just, you know, a small prop plane that goes over there and then looking out the window and thinking, geez, wh- what have I done here? Yeah, it's a little brown, was it? Yeah, but Walla Walla is definitely a little oasis. Um so it was great landing in the town. Very cute, I'm sure. A lot of the listeners have been out there. Um, have you done the prison tour yet? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I'm not sure if they they offer one, but I'd, I'd kind of be interested. I, I got to think they do. Or yeah. Don't you want to just go like press the button, say you're a visitor here for somebody? Yeah. Uh, it, we live pretty close to the prison. Um, but it, yeah, it's interesting that it's in the town. It's kind of forgotten a little bit. Uh, it is, but the bright lights are a reminder in the evening. Yeah, and, it's a uh, nice little beacon on the horizon. <laughs> so your first vintage then was uh, which vintage for Tranche? Uh, 2010. 2010. So yeah. you got there in April, and wow. So you started touring the vineyards, tasting some barrel stuff, and you helped blend the, the nine then? Or? Yeah, the eights and nines. Um, it's an interesting setup because we've got typically two or three vintages in barrel at one time at the winery. So lots to manage, but... When you're new to the winery, it's a good opportunity to taste through those past vintages and start start learning and seeing, um, you know, the difference between the vintages. Uh, you familiarize yourself very quickly with the vineyards and the blocks within those vineyards. It's also interesting, too, to, to taste uh, from barrel the winemaking style, but then to figure out what the, how the vintages affect some of that fruit, and then maybe some of the viticultural practices, how that affected it. Because, uh, you know, I know Mike Corliss has got, you know, great team effort. You've got great uh, vineyards, you've got vineyard managers, and, of course, the winemaking team gets involved. Well, I'm excited to try some of these wines. I know you brought two wines here. When we come back from this break, we're going to dive into some Tranche Cellars Rosé, and uh, I think the other is a little slice of pop. Yeah, yeah, both Rhone-style blends. So we'll Excellent. So pop some corks. Well, good. Well, I'm excited. So stick around. We'll be right back here on Happy Hour Radio with Andrew Trio, the winemaker for Tranche Cellars. That's Happy Hour Radio. Home of the Great One. Mark Levin. Weekdays 3 to 6 p.m. Talk Radio 570 KVI. KVI Want to Know Weekends. Time for another round of Happy Hour Radio with Christopher Chan. Hey, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday night all around the Puget Sound. Hope you got something great in your glass. Or if you're heading out and about around town, hope you've uh, got a good reservation or just popping into a tasty bar for some apps and some drinks. That's what we love. Uh, if you want to send me a tweet, uh, tell us where you're at, what you're doing. That's at Happy HR Radio. If you have any questions about where to go, what to drink, and, well, maybe how even how to make wine, send us an email to ask at Happy HappyHourRadio.net. Um, it's April, and uh, we got a couple great events coming up. Woodenville Reserve Night, April 19th. That's chefs and wine. What more do you want? WoodenvilleWineCountry.com. Or if you want to uh, dive into a single variety, check out Sexy Syrah. It's at Salty's Seafood Grill in West Seattle. April 29th, check out Seattle Uncorked. 
Com. Well, all these events have world-class wine, and uh, Andrew Trio, the winemaker for Tranche Cellars, tell me about your perspective on world-class rosé. Yeah, definitely looking at Provence, uh, southern France. You know, they're, they're certainly the benchmark in rosé producers. Uh, pale, delicate style wines, which uh, we really model our rosé after. Let's talk about that color. Um, is that just a, a is it grape variety that lends itself to that pale salmon blush, sunset pink patina hue, or is that just strictly a length of time on the skins? Both. Uh, there are certain varieties that are better suited to making rosé. All the color and the flavor in the wine is coming from the skin. So having a berry that's larger in size means that there's more juice inside. Uh, relative to the skin surface area. So um, that will create a paler rosé and also the length of time, like you mentioned, that that juice is on the skins. So if we press the grape straight away, um, only on skins for about an hour while it's in the press, you'll end up with a much lighter colour. But if you want to get a darker rosé, then you can leave that wine or the juice on the skins and extract a little bit more colour. So Provence-style rosé is known for a variety of, of red and some white grapes, but uh, it's typically uh, more Vedra, Sanso, Cunoise, Grenache, um, probably a little Berbalanc, uh, and, uh, well, they've got uh, Roll, which is uh, Vermentino down there. Um, tell me what grapes you have in, well, what wine you brought, this pink wine. Tell me about this and what grapes are in it. Yeah, this is our brand-new spring release, our 2014 Pink Pup Rosé, which is a little play on words with Chateau Neuf de Pup. Uh, so this is a blend of Cinso, Cunoise, and Grenache. And these are all estate, this is all estate fruit? Is this a single vineyard wine? Where does this fruit come from? Single vineyard wine, all from our Black Rock Estate vineyard. So we have three blocks out there, and we harvest the entire block for this rosé. So is actually all those grapes are grown. So it's almost a field blend or uh no separate separate blocks. So um right next to each other. Are you fermenting separately as well? Fermenting separately and after around 2 months we'll work on assembling that blend uh just prior to bottling in in the late winter ready for spring release. So this is 2014 Tranche Cellars Pink Pop. That's uh P A P E just like the Pope. Chateauneuf de Pop. Uh, and you've got four grapes. You've got Senso, Cunoise, Grenache, and... Just the three. Just oh. the three. Senso, Cunoise, Grenache. That's it. Oh, right on. Mm. But you you ferment them separately, and then you do some blending. So do you end up using all the juice, or is it more of a you're pretty sure this is good kind of thing? We've got it down, so we're using pretty much all of the juice, but occasionally there will be one component which is you know making the blend a little more inferior. So I will always try to make the best blend possible. A little less superior. <laughs> yeah. A <little laughs> Not a less, little more That's inferior. a better way to put it. <laughs> uh, cool stuff. Well, um, let's taste this wine, and tell me what you expect me to, to taste in this 2014 Pink Pop. Well, firstly, looking at the color, very pale salmon with a light pink hue, which we like to see. Um, a lot of minerality on the nose, crushed rock, light red fruits. Um, you know, a little bit of stone fruit, stone fruit, and and berry. 
but definitely an acid-driven wine. Uh, bone dry, finishes dry, and the thing that's driving the wine to the finish is the acidity. The acidity is nice and bright. Uh, I love that texturally you've got just a bit of glycerin in this wine, so it gives you this nice um, silky mouthfeel. Uh, mouthfeel. <laughs> and uh, a little bit of lees contact. I get just a bit of autolysis here, just a bit of, I don't call it nut, but more of a creamy brioche note. Yeah, a little bit of lees stirring tends to kind of round out the mid-palate, which is important to make things soft um, while it's in your mouth. And as soon as that's swallowed, then it's it's all acid. And it's also dry. There's just a very, very faint uh, mention, impression of, of skin tannin here. Um, this was harvested probably in October. And when did you bottle this wine? This was bottled about a month ago. Really? So it's always the first wine to be bottled for the year. Um, an exciting time around the winery. And, and, you know, the trees are blooming, flowers are kind of springing up, and, and we're drinking rosé. Yeah, it's pink Easter. It's just in time for the Easter Bunny, and or even Mother's Day for sure. Um, and this is a great 11 a.m. wine. <laughs> yeah, <exactly. laughs> but the sun's always out, and it's just behind the clouds is what I like to say. Yeah. Well, um, the alcohol in this wine seems just... Very pleasant, very moderate. Is it uh, what thirteen and a half? Uh, even lower. It's twelve and a half. Twelve and a half. This yeah. wine. So it's important to keep it low. Any sense of heat from the alcohol will really take over the finish and detract from the wine. So nice and low. We well, pick it very early. And how many years have you produced Pink Pop yourself? Did you start this in twenty ten or is this a yeah, newer? First release was twenty ten. Yeah. So it, it's been a popular wine. I think that that first release kind of. Blew a lot of people away in the Seattle market, um, and it, it's it's a great seller. It's, it's popular. It's popular. Nice. <laughs> Very nice. So this is uh, 20 bucks and under on the shelf. It's probably a good deal. Yeah, $18 retail. $18, and it's available at all your fine retailers. And yep, uh, good wine stores and restaurants um, around the Seattle area. And, uh, of course, online and at the winery in Walla Walla. Well, this is one of my favorites. Uh, of course, they're all coming out. And I'm surprised that this isn't in bottle shock. Uh, I'm just really, the, the wine is showing beautifully, you know, after a month of bottling. That's great. Mm. And it's a steal at 18 bucks. Uh, will you be at Taste Washington? Uh, you were at Taste Washington last week, right? Yeah, yeah, great event. I <laughs> loved it. That's awesome. We were there, too. We had a lot of fun and great food and great wine, of course. And this uh, 2014 Pink Pop, it's a steal. Well, the next wine you have is uh, also uh, hails from the Southern Rhone. Tell me what's coming up next. Uh, this is our red counterpart. This is Slice of Pop, so a Rhone-style blend. It's Grenache, Syrah, Mavedra. And a little touch of Cinso. Well, tell you what, I'd love for you to pour some in my glass. And um, those wines, those grapes are, are truly the Rhone-style grapes. And you've got a, a hefty amount of those grapes. I mean, I think in uh, Chateauneuf de Pop, they're allowed 13 by law. Um, but really, there's 48-plus indigenous grapes growing down in the southern Rhone Valley. So tell me again, this is the 2011... Yeah, 11. Our brand new spring release for this wine. So 11 was a cool vintage in Washington. So uh, really Grenache-dominant, bright, floral, feminine-style wine. Feminine versus masculine. So is that more structure and tannin, or you think just more of red fruit? A uh, little bit of both. There's red fruit, but there's also layers of dark fruit and spice. But lacy uh, from start to finish, lacy tannin, lacy acid. Lacy? Which, uh, yeah, I guess that's feminine for me. Ah, so I see. I see. It's it's not velvet tannins. It's <laughs> not coarse tannins. Those are like tannins that are very delicate and lacy. Lace-like. Lacy, lacy is the word. 
Lacey and Racy. Well, uh, I can't wait to try this wine. Um, so how many wines are you producing now at Tranche Cellars? 11 wines at Tranche, um, which seems like a lot, but it's broken down throughout the year to have specific releases for each segment of the portfolio. And really, um, it, it's about that experimentation of different varieties in the state. So we're kind of playing with a few things. Not all of them make it out to the market. Some are just available at the winery in small production, but it keeps things new and exciting at the winery. Have you found that you, your winemaking has, uh, I would say, I would know that all winemaking evolves because each vintage is different and you kind of like things. And do, do you, you know, as a winemaker, are you building a wine for the now or for tomorrow or for 10 years from now? Uh, depends on the wine. Depends on the wine. The rosé, uh, they're best drunk immediately within um, that first year. So we want that wine to be very approachable. And some of our lighter body tranche reds are like that too. But on the other end of the spectrum, the coolest wines, they're built to last. And the, the bigger tranche wines, the Cabernet Sauvignon, Cabernet Franc, and Syrah, they're, uh, they've got some longevity behind them. Well, so what's the website where people, our listeners, can go check out Tranche Cellars? Sure. Tranche is tranchecellars.com. Oh, it's one of those uh, really confusing ones. Yeah. Johnsellers.com. <laughs> I love it. Well, when we come back from this break, we're going to dive into this uh, rich and redolent red wine, the 2011 Slice to Pop Red Rhone style wine. And uh, I had the pleasure of speaking with Andrew Trio, the winemaker for Tranche Cellars, com, located in Walla Walla, a place so nice they named it twice. So stick around. We'll be right back on Happy Hour Radio. He's live. He's here. Sean Hannity. Weekdays, noon to 3, only on Talk Radio 570 KVI. It's KVI Want to Know Weekends, and you're listening to Happy Hour Radio. Now back to Seattle, Somalia, Christopher Chan. All right, welcome back to Happy Hour Radio. Hope your 6 o'clock evening is going well, and uh, I'd love to know what's in your glass right now. Send us a tweet. Uh, it's at Happy HR Radio, or just shoot me an email at ask at happyhourradio.net. Had the pleasure of welcoming Andrew Trio, the uh, Aussie winemaker. He's from Perth, and uh, he's uh, here representing Tranche Cellars, who is uh, Mike Corliss Winery in Walla Walla. Now, you are making, you said 11 wines, right, mm. uh, in Tranche Cellars. Tell me what you'd like to drink, because um, you have such a variety of wines at Tranche Cellars. I'm curious as if any of those are truly your passion. I, I imagine they are, but... I want to know, are you a Burgundy guy? I like Burgundy. I think my passion is probably Bordeaux um, and white Burgundy, actually. So if I was to pick a, a white grape to drink for the rest of my life, it would be Chardonnay, I guess. And uh, for reds. It sounds so trite, though, doesn't it? Because Chardonnay gets such a you know ubiquitous grape throughout the world. But you know, truly, white Burgundy is what we're saying, right? Yeah, white Burgundy um, is the finest, and we're trying to... We're trying to do something similar. Or a little Hyde, a little Ramey, a little Russian River. Yeah, a little bit of that. Definitely textured wines, but I like the flint and the reduction and um, just 
the range and the variety of styles. I think that's kind of cool because if you have a juxtaposition here, though, your passion might be Burgundy and Chardonnay, of course, um, but you're not necessarily making it. But are you making a Chardonnay at Tranche? Tranche does make a Chardonnay. It's from Salilo Vineyard in Columbia Gorge. So uh, Tranche makes it. That's like a third person speaking here. Yes, <laughs> Tranche does make it, doesn't it? Yes, yes. Uh, well, it's a team effort over there but we do make one um, great wine and definitely in that Burgundian style Salilo is a high elevation vineyard really cool site Columbia Gorge so it gets lots of air uh, no disease pressures and uh, certainly nice bright acidity especially in 11 absolutely and um, you always end up with these wonderful stone fruit nectarine flavors from that vineyard which we love well I remember the tasting we had at uh, Esquin uh, a week ago it, that Chardonnay I had a chance to taste that 11 Slilo was delish congratulations oh, thank you. well let's dump, jump <laughs> let's jump into this 2011 slice to pop uh, red wine tell me again what's in this wine so this is Grenache Syrah Mavedra and a little bit of Cinso so the Grenache is bringing the red fruits and flowers and elegance to the wine the Mavedra a darker purple spectrum, a little bit of pepper and spice, and the Syrah, the lushness and the plushness and the depth. This is a beautiful wine. Uh, I love the complexity, but I love how all the, those layers of flavor, it's almost like a, a fruit cocktail, but a very, very expressive red berried fruit cocktail. You've got these great layers of flavor, the red, the blue, a little bit of purple. No black, really, but it's got, it's like got a little bit of mint leaf on there, too, where it's a garnish where you've got some of that um, ethereal aromatic yeah, and, and we love that about this wine. 2011 was a cool vintage, so it's definitely fresh and lifted. Well, I like this wine. Uh, so 2011, this is what's currently in the market now? This is our brand new release this spring. Wow. Well, I love that extra bottle of uh, elevation or the elevage in the bottle with the maturing in the bottle gives you um, the perfect mouthfeel because sometimes young wines need a little time, and I'm certainly familiar with that, but this is drinking like it's got a couple years. In fact, it does. Mm. Yeah, I think we're all guilty of drinking wines a little earlier than they probably should be. Drunk. A little too fast sometimes, huh? Too fast. There's a, there's a temptation there. So at uh, Tranche, we're, we're trying to help things out and do a little bit of the cellaring for you. Perfect. When what would this run? This wine run. This is thirty-five dollars retail. Ah, and those are Australian dollars, or <laughs> no U.S. dollars? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, well, a lot of lot of. Uh, Great juice in this bottle of wine. Uh, I'm really enjoying it. Uh, so you make 11 wines. We've got the 2014 Pink Pop and the 2011 Slice to Pop. Um, great examples of uh, Washington's, well, credible and incredible story of how we can become Roan as well. I mean, it's, it's warm over there in Walla Walla, isn't it? It can be, yeah. I think, um, you know, there's a common misconception, especially from people outside of the state, that uh, any... Washington wine region it's going to be full of evergreen trees and and rivers that run year round but um it's we hope they run year round they actually do well, right there's a big one that runs year round but it's definitely not roll uh, on columbia yeah the big columbia but it's in a, it's a high elevation arid climate out there so it's got the makings of producing um big powerful reds yeah, well, um, exciting to have you in studio, Andrew Trio, winemaker for Tranche Cellars, TroncheCellars.com in Walla Walla. Thank you so much for joining me on Happy Hour Radio. Thanks.
Hey, folks, hope you had a great time. It's Saturday, 6 o'clock. I look forward to seeing you next weekend. And uh, tell your friends about Happy Hour Radio. we got a website. It's happyhourradio.net. You can find all of our great guests and some past shows, uh, kind of our library of hits, if you will, in the world of wine, spirits, cocktails, and more. Look forward to seeing you uh, this month at Woodenville Reserve Night and or Sexy Syrah. Uh, check out seattleuncorked.com and woodenvillewinecountry.com. Look forward to seeing you next week. Thanks again for all my guests and, of course, my friends at KVI. Remember, folks, life is always better with a designated driver. Cheers.